Audio Podcast Network. As fans of true crime, we consume some pretty dark content on a regular basis. Talking about such heavy topics can definitely take a toll, both emotionally and mentally. That's why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. When my anxiety gets bad or when I just feel overwhelmed by life, it's really nice to have someone to talk to. BetterHelp has over 20,000 therapists with a broad range of expertise that can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions, and you can exchange unlimited messages. Plus, everything you share is completely confidential. You can also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. So many people use BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bite-sized. That's betterhelp.com slash B-I-T-E-S-I-Z-E-D. Welcome to the true crime podcast you can binge on your lunch break. My name is Joy. I am a school librarian, obsessive researcher, and lifelong true crime nerd. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new case to dissect. We'll focus on the facts, giving exposure to some of the lesser-known stories in the true crime world. You never know what you might learn. This is Bite Size Crime. Welcome back to Bite Size Crime. This week, I'm bringing you the story of a young Indigenous woman who vanished on the eve of her 18th birthday. This episode discusses sensitive topics, so listener discretion is advised. Jalasia Finkley grew up on Cape Cod in the town of Mashpee, Massachusetts. A member of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe, Jalasia loved her Indigenous culture and took great pride in her heritage. She grew up surrounded by music and dance, and it inspired her to pursue her own career in the arts. From a very young age, Jalasia loved to sing, and soon she started writing her own songs, inspired by 90s hip-hop artists like Biggie and Tupac. She liked to go live on Facebook, singing covers of her favorite songs, showcasing her vocal talents. In her teens, Jalasia started booking gigs around New England, performing under the stage name Drippy Lay. She was starting to make a name for herself, recording her own music and doing interviews with local talk shows. She had a bright future, and she had the drive to see it through. In the fall of 2020, 17-year-old Jalasia was living in New Bedford, Massachusetts, going to school and continuing to work on her music. She was looking forward to her 18th birthday, which was right around the corner. Things seemed to be going well for the high school senior, but sadly, it wouldn't last. On October 20th, Jalasia underwent the first part of a medical procedure at a clinic in Boston. The second part was scheduled for the next day. Jalasia spent the afternoon recovering under the watchful eye of her mother, Amanda. Shortly before 5 p.m., Amanda left the apartment to go pick up Jalasia's prescription from the pharmacy. When she returned a half hour later, Jalasia was gone. At first, Amanda didn't think too much of it. Jalasia's birthday was the next day. She had probably gone out with friends to celebrate. But by the next morning, Jalasia hadn't returned. She wasn't answering her texts, and calls were going straight to voicemail. 
Then the clinic called. Jalasia had missed her appointment for the second part of the medical procedure. If she didn't complete the procedure, her life could be at risk. Amanda called the New Bedford Police Department and reported Jalasia missing. Right away, investigators reached out to Jalasia's family and friends in an attempt to figure out her last movements. From what they gathered, Jalasia had texted a friend shortly after 5 p.m. on October 20th, saying that she was meeting up with a man named Luis Barbosa. Investigators began looking for a connection between Jalasia and Luis. They quickly discovered that his full name was Luis Robert Zaragoza Barbosa. He was 36 years old, and he wasn't unknown to the family. He had dated Jalasia's Aunt Tia for several years, and he had known Jalasia since she was a child. As far as the family knew, Luis and Jalasia weren't in a relationship, but the 20-year age difference was a concern. Why was a man in his 30s hanging out with a teenage girl? The family held out hope that Jalasia would show up in a day or two, but soon a week had passed and there was no sign of her. Jalasia had missed a critical medical procedure and her 18th birthday celebration. She had also missed her little brother's birthday, and she hadn't even called to talk to him. Jalasia had taken off on her own before, but never for very long, and she always checked in with her family. On October 28th, the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe announced a $1,000 reward for information leading to Jalasia's safe return. Tribal Council Chairman Cedric Cromwell stated that they were committed to bringing attention to Jalasia's case and asking federal agencies to investigate under Savannah's Act, which directed the Department of Justice to develop protocols addressing missing or murdered Native Americans. Cromwell also drew attention to the epidemic of missing Indigenous women in the United States. Quote, Sadly, the growing number of missing Indigenous women across the country do not receive the attention that our Caucasian neighbors receive. The numbers are staggering. Our women are abducted at a rate 10 times higher than other ethnicities. We have to work harder to bring attention to Jalasia, and we do need your help. Jalasia's Aunt Tia told Boston 25 News that as the days passed, the family worried more and more about Jalasia's safety. Quote, We're very concerned. We're just trying to take every measure we can to get her home. We at least want to just hear something from him, from her. It's not normal that she doesn't reach out to any of us. On October 29th, the day after the reward was announced, Luis uploaded several videos and pictures to his Twitter account. One video showed Jalasia at a tattoo parlor. Another was a screen recording of Luis and Jalasia on FaceTime. Both were posted without audio. The pictures showed the pair at a restaurant, then in an elevator. Luis also posted screenshots of text messages between himself and Jalasia that seemed to indicate that they were in a relationship. Jalasia's family was not comforted by this supposed proof of life. According to them, the pictures and videos were months old, and in one of the screenshots, you can clearly see the latest text was sent on January 27th, nine months earlier. Also, Luis hadn't been active on Twitter in over four years, and now he had tweeted six times in the span of two minutes. It was obvious that Luis was trying to send a message. Jalasia is fine. Leave it alone. But her family knew she wasn't fine. Tia told Boston 25 News, quote, I'm obviously fearing for the worst. It's been a while. Honestly, if he has my niece and she's okay, then why wouldn't he show her face? Why wouldn't he let her call somebody or reach out? I just don't understand why he's playing games on his end and not letting her speak out for herself. Then, a week later, there was devastating news. Luis Barboza had been killed in a shootout with police. 
According to news reports, U.S. Marshals attempted to arrest Luis at a McDonald's in Crestview, Florida, when he pulled out a handgun and shot at the officers. They returned fire, and Luis was struck. He died at the scene. Jalasia was nowhere to be found. In the aftermath of Luis's death, new details emerged in the case, bringing a renewed urgency in the search for Jalasia Finkley. The biggest news was that, at the time of her disappearance, Jalasia was five months pregnant. According to the arrest warrant, investigators learned early on that Luis had rented a 2020 Hyundai Elantra from Logan International Airport in Boston shortly before he and Jalasia disappeared together. On October 20th, Jalasia called Luis shortly after 5 p.m., after her mother had left to pick up her prescription. Not long after, neighborhood security cameras captured Luis pulling up to the apartment and parking around the corner. At 5.21, Jalasia left the building wearing loose-fitting clothing and house slippers. She got into the passenger seat of the rental car, which sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes before pulling away with Jalasia inside. Within half an hour, Luis's cell phone had been turned off and Jalasia's had been discarded on the side of the road. It was later found in the grass alongside Route 140 in New Bedford, just a few miles away from her apartment. An hour later, Luis's phone was on again. It pinged near Hopkins, Rhode Island, as the rental car traveled south on Interstate 95. From there, investigators tracked Luis using cell phone data and license plate readers. He continued to travel south to New Jersey, where he spent the night in a rest area near Woodbridge. The next morning, he headed north again into New York, where his vehicle was captured on camera as it passed through the Lincoln Tunnel. Then he turned around and headed back south, stopping again at the Woodbridge rest area before continuing on towards Washington, D.C. I find it strange that Luis would drive an hour in the opposite direction and then immediately turn around. My first thought is that he headed north on I-95 by accident, realized his mistake when he hit New York, then corrected his course. On the other hand, this seems like a difficult mistake to make since most rest areas only have on-ramp access to one side of the interstate. Did he have a specific purpose for heading back up into New York? Whatever his reasoning, Luis was soon headed down the eastern seaboard to Florida. On October 23rd, Luis was spotted at a McDonald's in Jacksonville, where he ordered what authorities referred to as a small meal with one drink. This only intensified investigators' concern for Jalasia's well-being. So far, none of the surveillance videos or traffic cameras had captured the young woman. It appeared that Luis had arrived in Florida alone. A week later, Luis left Florida and drove to Texas, where authorities got a hit on his license plate in Houston on October 30th. But three days later, he was back in Florida, and the authorities were on his trail. Because Luis had crossed state lines, police asked the U.S. Marshals Service for help tracking him down. They obtained an arrest warrant charging him with kidnapping and grand larceny. In the warrant application, they laid out the case against Luis, stating, quote, Detectives have probable cause to believe that Finkley has been kidnapped by Barbosa without lawful authority, being forcibly or secretly confined or imprisoned against her will. There is great concern that her life and safety are in danger as her whereabouts are unknown. On November 4th, U.S. Marshals spotted Luis in Crestview, Florida. They began surveilling him, and the next morning, they attempted to arrest him at the McDonald's. Luis died in the confrontation, and Jalasia's family lost a little bit of hope. But investigators were still determined to find Jalasia, even though she could be anywhere from Massachusetts to Florida to Texas. 
They began searching any location where Luis had stopped on his road trip south, hoping to find something that would point them in the right direction. Eventually, the Massachusetts State Police were able to get full access to Luis's cell phone. A forensic analysis uncovered a note written on the phone, in which Luis explained what had happened on the evening of October 20th. He wrote about his struggle with depression, and how he had, quote, snapped before killing Jalasia in his car. He then included directions to where her body could be found. On November 25, 2020, officers from the Indian River County Sheriff's Office recovered the remains of Jalasia Finkley. She had been left in a field in Felsmore, Florida, just yards away from Interstate 95. An autopsy would later reveal that she had been shot twice in the head. We may never know the true extent of what Jalasia experienced at the hands of Luis Barbosa, but we do know that she did not deserve her fate. She didn't deserve to be manipulated by a man two decades her senior, forced to make life-altering decisions before she even reached adulthood. Her light was snuffed out far too soon, and her family was left without justice. If you or someone you know is in an abusive or dangerous relationship, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or text START to 88788. Calls are free and confidential. Thank you for listening to Bite-Sized Crime. This episode was written, researched, and edited by me, Joyce Gaglione. Theme music is by Arts Guitars. For episode transcripts, pictures, and sources, please visit bitesizedcrimepod.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bitesizedcrimepod. If you have a suggestion for a case I should cover, please email me at bitesizedcrimepod at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Audio Podcast Network.